Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. And Father, we ask that you would release faith today in every one of us that are in this building, in every one of our family members, our New Beginning members that are watching by stream literally around the world. Release in us faith that we know that nothing is impossible with you. And for what you've done, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And for what you're going to do, we are so excited and we stand in awe because you are an awesome God. Everybody believes God's an awesome God. Give him a clap offering. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Open your Bibles up to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Last week was the time of Pentecost, and we read in the scripture where dealing with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the last thing Jesus said was, I command you, don't leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. Now, in the New Testament, we call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, they called it, and in Hebrew, they call it Ruach HaKodesh. They call it the Shekinah. They call, um, there, there's, a, there's a word that is, is intermingled. It's, it's all the same in English, but chokmah, which means divine wisdom. But whether you say the Holy Spirit or you say Ruach HaKodesh or Shekinah or chokmah, it means the divine presence of God. Now, when the Lord commanded the first church, don't you leave without it. What he's saying is, do not leave here until the divine presence of God, divine inspiration, divine inner voice. Don't leave because what you're going to do in the world, you're going to need this beyond a shadow of a doubt. In, I love in Zechariah when God speaks to Zerubbabel. Remember when Zerubbabel is building the, rebuilding the temple of God, the house of God, and he says, does this look like nothing? And the Lord's response, and we read in English, says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And that word in Hebrew, actually, by my spirit means Zerubbabel, it's not by your strength, it's not by your might, but it's my, by my divine energy. By my divine energy. I don't know about you, but that thrills me that the older I get, the more I can call on these last days to have divine energy. I'm never retiring. I'm going to go out with a shout. Divine energy. Now, I was praying about this message for some time because we were coming out of Pentecost, and uh, I was just studying. I, I, I get emails all the time from the rabbinical community, and uh, I got an email or, or a teaching sent to me that these rabbis a few weeks ago asked to meet with some pastors. I believe it was in Florida. And they said, we want to talk to you Christians about your concept of prayer. And we want to talk to you about your concept of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a very unique thing, because if you study uh, rabbinical teaching and ancient Jewish wisdom, it doesn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. And they believe because once Adam and Eve fell, except for a few occasions, the Holy Spirit pretty much departed. But ancient Jewish wisdom says this, that when the world seems like it could not be in any greater state of chaos, this is a sign that the Messiah is getting ready to come 
and the Holy Spirit that will launch the coming of the Messiah, the Holy Spirit will come out of hiding, and instead of being on a few through history, he will fill every vessel that presents himself as a vessel of honor. I believe this is the beginning of what we call signs and wonders and miracles. I believe it's the beginning of prophets and prophetesses. And so the message I want to talk to you today is about being sensitive to the voice of God. We were trying to remember, Tiz and I were trying to remember, and then Scott and John and Luke and I in the back were trying to remember but being sensitive to the voice of God. And I remember years ago hearing a story, and I've actually used it, but it was some great preacher. I think it might have been Billy Graham or somebody like that, was on a secular talk show. And the secular host said to this preacher, maybe Billy Graham, said to this preacher, so it says in your book here that you talk to God. And the preacher said, yes, I talk to God all the time. And the guy then said, and it says in your book that God talks to you. And he said, yes, God talks to me. And the, 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 the host kind of looked at the audience and the camera and gave a smirk. And the preacher says, as a matter of fact, sir, God talks to you too. You just don't listen. I want to talk about being sensitive to the voice of God. Read with me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Now, I want you to hold on to that verse for a few minutes. And God said, before he created anything, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God saw the light, and the light was good. And God called light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the ferment and divided the waters, which were under the ferment, from the waters from which were above the ferment, and it was so. And God called the ferment heaven, So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herbs that yield the seed, the fruit tree that yields the fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs that yield seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields the fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was, what's the next word? Good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let there be for signs and seasons and for for days and years. Now, let me stop right there. We see that God goes on and on and on and creates everything, creates the fish, creates the mountains, creates the streams, creates the gold, creates the silver, creates everything. And in everything he creates, he ends up with saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then the end he says, and it was all very good. So when God created all of the earth with everything that's in the earth, 
He said, everything that is in the earth is very good. All right. Now go with me to Genesis chapter three. So he goes on and on. He created man. He breathed life into him. He breathed the spirit. Everything, the beasts, the fields, and everything uh, gave Adam, Eve. Everything was good. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. So I'm going to talk to you. I want to share with you something that's a little complex, but stay with me. When God created the world, there was nothing in the world that was bad. Everything that God created was very good. Everything. Now, I don't have time to teach on this. I have taught on this before. But the first thing that God created was light. The very first thing he said, let there be light. But then it goes down after a few things. And the Bible says that then God created the sun and the moon to bring light into the world day and night. And so that we have the sun and the moon for seasons. Think a second. If God said the very first thing, let there be light, but it's several verses down that he created the sun for light for day and moon for light for night, does that make any sense? It loses it in the English translation. The very first thing that God said was, I am speaking that everything I'm about to create has light. And that light is goodness. Now, later he created the sun and the moon, right? Are you okay? Are you all okay so far? So the very first thing, when God said, let there be light, what he's saying is, is that everything on the planet is to have the light of God in it. Every idea, every thought, every beast of the field, every grass, every tree, every, every stream, every mountain, every person is to represent the light of God. Everything was to have light. And he goes on and he says, and it's all good. It's all good. But then all of a sudden... We get down to chapter 3, and it says, now, now, here's the devil. So somewhere between everything being good to the appearance of the devil, somewhere along the line, God's perfect world, God's world of peace and harmony turned into chaos and evil and darkness entered in a perfect world. Now, the ancient Jewish wisdom says that there was a really a big bang. Ever, anybody ever hear of the big bang theory? That the world exploded and everything accidentally happened? Okay, there it was a big bang, but the big bang was not the world exploding. The big bang was something happened spiritually where everything that God intended to be good and to bless us and to help us and to make our lives wonderful, somehow evil came in and there was a big bang and everything that was good. So this jar represents everything that was good. The fields, the streams, your job, your business, your home, your marriage, your children, your life, your health, your body, your finances. You know, even when he's creating everything, he said, go up the river Pishon, because that's where I put the silver and the gold. Silver and gold, the, the, the God never said, here's where the birds are, here's where the cattle are, here's where the mountains are. The only thing he said was, here, I'm going to show you where the silver and gold is, because the silver and gold are meant to bless the children of God. Amen. 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 Are you with me? Yes. Now, I know this is kind of complex, but somewhere between everything being good 
everything being being light everything was light everything the the mount that's why in judaism you're to take care of the mountains you're to take care of the streams you're to take care of each other you're to take care of uh, of 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 animals you're 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 to do all this but somewhere in there the world exploded and all that was good all the shards of light were scattered so the world that was supposed to be nothing but blessing for all of us, all of a sudden is shattered. One rabbi puts it like this. He said, you have a symphony orchestra and they're all playing in harmony and it's beautiful and the conductor is leading it, the violins and the horns and the drums and the skinned instruments and the flutes is playing. But all of a sudden, everybody loses sight of the conductor. And instead of following the conductor's lead, everybody's just playing whatever they want to, whatever beat they want to, whatever rhythm they want to. And so instead of having something that is harmonious, we now have something that is in chaos. The wisdom that man has has gone mad. The intelligence that God has given humans has gone insane. And so all of this light that was supposed to be good has now been covered in darkness. Now here's our part. So here's 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 everything that's in the world. Some of it is still good, but much of it is now evil. It was never meant to be evil. There was never meant to be violence. There was never meant to be poverty. There was never meant to be racism. There was never meant to be drug addiction. There was never meant to be divorce. There was never meant to be wars. Do do you understand? It's never meant to be that way. Never meant to be that way. We have a saying that most of you know, it's called tikkun olam. Somebody tell me what tikkun olam means. Repair a broken world. The word tikkun comes from this understanding that the world was meant to be perfect. In six days, God created everything to bless us. And on the seventh day, the Bible says, and God rested from his work. Well, we think, you know, God created the world. And then on the seventh day, he went, no, he he didn't, he didn't build. He just said, let there be light. Let there be, uh, let there be fish. Let there be mountains. Let there be oceans. Let there be heaven. Let there be earth. Let there be cloud. He just spoke it. So when the Bible says in English on the seventh day, he rested, that word rest in Hebrew is actually the word menuha, which means he blessed it. In six days, he, everything, say everything. Everything he created, he created to bless mankind. On the seventh day, He created rest, menuha, what we translate as rest, which means he created the blessing. So in seven, in six days, he created everything to bless us. Everything out there is supposed to be blessed. And on the seventh day, he created the blessing that we could receive it. But between then and now the serpent shows up, there was a spiritual explosion and... The presence of God, many say it happened at the fall of Adam and Eve. Nobody knows exactly, but the presence of God departed. Now, there is a history of the anointing of God. And I've got several scriptures, but I think instead of just giving them, I'll, I'll just explain. Instead of reading them, I'll just explain them. If you look at 1 Samuel ten five, the Bible talks about Saul um, being anointed as king. And it says the spirit of God came upon him. Now, remember the Holy Spirit of God, Ruach HaKodesh, the Shekinah means divine presence, the divine presence of God. Jesus said, don't leave 
until you are filled with the divine presence of Almighty God. And so we see that as kings and as prophets, we see temporarily this divine anointing of the presence of God. One of the things I want you to look at is uh, Isaiah chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 16 is, yeah, you know what? Go, go to Isaiah 11. Go to Isaiah 11. Isaiah chapter 16 is David being anointed by Samuel the prophet. And it's an interesting thing because it says, as Samuel anointed David, and the anointing of God came on David for the rest of his life, the anointing that had been on Saul lifted. You know, the Bible does say that sometimes if we aren't being used the way God wants us to be used, then that anointing can be lifted from us. We don't want that anointing being lifted. We want to live in these last days with a double portion of that anointing. Amen. So you see that God's anointing to to see things and know things and understand things, that anointing that turned, we talked last week about the disciples, the apostles being cowards, and then all of a sudden full of the boldness of God. We see that anointing where there were signs and wonders and miracles and healing taking place. We see that periodically throughout all the Bible. But look at Isaiah chapter 11, look at verse 1. And there shall come from a rod from the stem of Jesse. The branch shall grow out of its root, his roots. The spirit of the Lord. This is the Shekinah. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the Ruach HaKodesh. This is divine presence, divine presence of God. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Obviously, they're talking about Jesus. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the awe of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, which means the awe of how powerful God is. Now, this is obviously the anointing on Jesus Christ. But I want you to go with me to John chapter 20 and see where you and I come into this. Look at John chapter 20, starting with verse... It's too long of a scripture. Let me think here a second. Okay. For the sake of time, because I really want to take time to pray for everybody at the end. Jesus has been crucified. He is resurrected. The disciples don't know he's resurrected. They're hiding in the upper room. And they're fearful for their lives. Now, the reason I want to just take a moment and paint this picture is, look at the world we're in right now. They're trying to make us ashamed of being born-again Christians. Right? They're trying to make us ashamed. And Jesus appears in this locked room. They see him. And what does Jesus say to them? I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Because as my father sent me, I'm sending you. Now, remember what Isaiah said. He said, the Messiah will come and he'll come with might and power, divine wisdom, divine inspiration. He'll see things. He'll understand things. He'll know things. And then Jesus comes and says to them in this time of chaos, as my father sent me, I will send to you. In John, he says to them, he said, I've got to go. But it's essential that I go because when I go, I will send to you another who is a helper. 
The word helper, as we learned last week, is azar in Hebrew, which means this helper is God's strength, God's power, God's protection, God's guidance, God's wisdom, God's rescuer, God's revealing of ministry, uh, mystery. So when we're looking at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're thinking, okay, I get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where I'm going with this. I get filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead me and guide me and teach me and show me and help me and rescue me and give me strength and power and, and, and all that I need. And that's true. But the Holy Spirit is not just for you to help you or for me to help me. The Holy Spirit is, as my Father sent me, now I am sending you. And through that, as Jesus was full of wisdom and power and might and strength and understanding and insight and revealing of mysteries, I am sending you into the world to do that very thing. Now, let me say this real quick, and then we're going to get into the main part. In Judaism, in the Bible, everything that God has, has two sides to it. There is a good side and an evil side. Just to give you, and I know a lot of you understand this, you take the uh, golden calf. Here God was getting ready to do amazing things. You take the golden calf. The numerical breakdown of the Hebrew word golden calf is the same numerical breakdown as divine inspiration. So here one was, they were feeling inspired in what they do. They built a golden calf. When in reality, they should have been inspired to wait for Moses and receive God's Torah. So everything in the world... If you flip it one way or the other, it can be good or it can be bad. Are we in agreement with that? Let's take money. With money, you can feed your family. You can do good things. You can can bless others. With money, you can do evil. Take the internet. The internet, I have the libraries of the world available on internet. But on that same machine... You can look at bad stuff. You can bully people. You can intimidate people. On that same machine, I can study the word of God, or you can have people teaching you there is no word of God. Right? Take drugs. Drugs are something that you can be, uh, the wisdom was given to man to create drugs for health purposes, but that same wisdom in chaos wrapped in, in darkness takes drugs and makes people addicts right so everything that's out there has the potential to be good or evil so the first part of understanding is wherever you go wherever you go tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand on your job Bring that light of God into that job. In your schools, bring that light of God. Wherever you go, you bring that light. And when you bring that light, you are redeeming stuff out of darkness and bringing it back into the hands of God. Money is not a bad thing. Money is a good thing redeem that go out and get it go wherever you're working wherever you're going wherever you go you are the light of the world bring that light into darkness wherever you go now think about that scripture wherever you go tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand so when you go to work now it might be something as small as a kind word it might be something as small as, uh, you know, uh, for, I'll, I'll give you an example. Katie and I were, and Tiz were talking about this, what I'm talking about. Wherever you go, redeem that light. Yes. You know, um, I was at, at uh, Lowe's Home Furnishings, and I um, brought my stuff out in the cart, and I loaded it in my truck, and... I looked and the cart place where you put the carts back, 
was way over there because I parked my truck a long way away so nobody dings my doors. Anybody else do that? And I could have easily done what I saw everybody else do, just put their cart somewhere where somebody could roll in it. But you know what? Somebody has to go get those carts. So instead, I took my cart, as I do every time. I walked across the parking lot. I put my cart in there, started walking back, and this lady goes, Pastor Larry. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe. And she was a worker there. So in a very small way, that divine presence, that, that still small voice said, don't leave that cart there. Go put that cart back. Why, would, why, should you, why should you make somebody else work harder when you can easily do that? Does that make sense? Okay, you're driving in traffic. And somebody cuts you off, and they're obviously a new Christian because they give you the one-way sign, but with the wrong finger. (laughs) You can respond that way, or you can bring the light. This actually happened to me one time. I was going somewhere to preach in another church, and I think I pulled out, I can't remember, I pulled out in front of this lady a Sunday morning and she was going to church and she gave me the hand signal. When I got to church, she didn't realize when I walked, the pastor introduced me, she was in the choir. Right? Don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. So the Bible says that everything was good because of divine presence. But then Satan came in and what was good, I, I like the way it says in ancient Hebrew, all that gold, all that light began to get covered in mud. But our job, as we are led by the Lord, our job is to be led by the voice of God. Be led by the voice of God. That still small voice. And when our flesh looks at something and sees mud, the voice of God will speak to us and say, look beyond the mud, there's gold in there. There's light in there. I was thinking about this. And ancient Jewish wisdom says, before you were born, before you were born, before you were born, before you were born, the moment before we were born, Each one of us, our souls, stood before the throne of God. And he says, I have a mission for you, and I have a mission for you, and I have a mission for you. And that mission cannot be done by anybody else. So where you work and where you walk and where you talk, it's not a coincidence. It's part of that divine mission that your part, your corner of the world, nobody else has, a, has that mission. And I think about that when almost 50 years ago, I had long hair, needle marks up and down my arms, smoking a joint on my porch, and a little Mexican guy by the name of Bill Trujillo kept walking past me. And I'm watching, I'm thinking he's going to come by dope. And finally, after about five or six times, he takes a deep breath, comes up and he said, you know, I've never done this before. He just became a Christian himself. And he said, I can't leave until I tell you Jesus is who you're looking for. What he did without really realizing it is heard the voice of God and he looked beyond the mud that was over me. He looked beyond the evil and being led by God. I mean, you, you, you would not normally do that. 
Now, this is where I want you to, to get this of be, being sensitive to the voice of God. You would not normally do this. This is why Jesus said, and I'm going to get more detail here for a few minutes. He said, don't leave without the Holy Spirit, for he will lead you and he will guide you. Yes, in your own life. Yes, in, in, in many areas for your own life. But because you and I are called beyond that. Ancient Jewish wisdom says being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with Ruach HaKodesh is God wanting you to live at a higher level. Not of this world, of a, of a, of a, of a divine world. So I wonder all the time, Tiz and I were talking about, had Bill Trujillo four days, five days old in the Lord, had he looked on the outside with hair and drugs and earrings and everything, had he looked on the outside, had by the Spirit of God not not ha- have him look beyond the mud to the, to the lost shards of light, where would I be today? Maybe somebody else would have, but I was what, 20, how old was I when I got saved? 26 years old, nobody told me yet. And you know, nobody's come up and witnessed to me since. (laughs) Oh, you're a pastor now. I don't look like a pastor. But because of that spirit of divine presence, God causes you to look beyond the natural to find the hidden shards of light. Because every one of us, every, every, everything in the world, God breathed on it and said it's good. Our job is to go out there and get the good that's hidden in darkness and expose it back to the light. Right? And if we're faithful, it's like, it's like there's big things and there's little things. When food is, food, food is, is nothing spiritual. But when you pray over that food, you've turned the mundane into something that's divine. The power of your tongue, your tongue can bring death or your tongue can bring life, right? Your tongue can be inspired by then the serpent or our tongue can be inspired by that divine presence. Now, l- let me show you something, and I, I, I hope I can explain this. A couple weeks ago, they came in the back and said, Pastor, we have somebody that works for us, um, Charlie's dad. Clayton. Huh? Clayton. He doesn't go to our church. Not, they weren't spirit-filled. They work for us, and their little baby uh, had what the doctors think was a stroke. And they said, would you pray for the baby um, after the service? And I said, absolutely. Would you pray? Mom and dad are going to bring you and pray for the baby there. And so they start walking away. I said, wait, 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 wait. See, this is that divine voice. Do you understand? I said, wait, let's have the whole church pray for him. Because you know why? Because I really felt like, number one, there's power in unity. But I really felt God wanted to show you something. So I don't know if you remember when they brought that precious little baby up. And they said, uh, you know, I said, can I hold her? And they said, well, she didn't let anybody hold her. And she just reached out and grabbed me. Do you remember that? Then I tried to give her back to mom, and she wouldn't go to mom. I tried to give her to Tiz, and she wouldn't go to Tiz. You know, I think that's discernment of spirit. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one. See, there's a prime example of not being led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, we prayed. And then while I'm preaching and teaching, they were sitting right over here. And I looked at them and I said, she's going to be fine. See, that's the power of being led by the 
divine presence. Do you understand? See, this is what has to happen in the last days is prophets and prophetesses and stuff. And so I said, I just looked at him. They were sitting right there. I said, Charlie's going to be fine. And when we got back, I, I, I told my family, I told people, I said, I felt something. I felt God connecting my spirit to Charlie. I felt that. Well, then they went, they took Charlie and we found out and said, how's it? And I said, man, they're amazed at how well she's doing and everything. But, but they were afraid she would have brain damage and epilepsy and everything. Long story short, we just got the report. No brain damage, no epilepsy. Everything's fine. But see, this is the beginning of the Holy Spirit coming out of hiding. Because that's not just for me or for the priesthood or for the rabbis. That's for every one of you that God will speak to you and he'll lead you and he'll guide you. Not just for yourself, but for everyone. Because as you're going along, all of a sudden you'll see something that looks like it's covered in darkness. You know, Charlie's hell looks like it's covered in darkness. But God said, reach in and bring it out of the mud and bring it back to being divine light. That's sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. I can remember going to Tiz, coming home one time. We were building a, a new church in Portland. We had a great church. And and as uh, we were $12 million debt-free into a new building, things were going absolutely perfect. And I came home and I said, I think God spoke to me to, we need to move to Dallas. Now that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Why would you? I had all kinds of people. I was 55 years old, and you're going to go down and start all over? Why would you do that? Well, we didn't know that this is so that we could become the, close to Marcus and Joni and Daystar. And, and through us, they would turn them on to the Jewish roots. The Jewish roots and standing with Israel would, have, would, would change the world. It would change the world. But what would have happened if we would have not listened to that divine voice. When I was first got saved, like I said, I had hair down to here and came to church and no shirt on, a poncho and no shoes. We're hippies, drug addicts. And I, we got saved, but I said, I'm never going back. I'm, I'm never going back. To the, you know, the, these people are too weird. They're lifting up their hands. They're speaking in tongues. You know. You know, it's just not for me. You know, it's not for me. And so my two friends, these girls that I was living with, they went back and they kept going and they came back and said, man, you should have been there. And I said, oh, did you lift up your hands and say hallelujah? They said, yeah, it was one of them. I said, did you say, thank you, Jesus? You know, there's a saying in Nav- amongst the Navajo, when you make fun of something, you're next. <laughs> and so they, they had me, they talked me into coming back and there was a guy uh, he's with the Lord now. His name was John Metzler. And this guy would call people out and he would say, you went to the doctor today and the doctor said this and you went and, and something. And, and I mean, he was amazing. He he's absolutely amazing. And so, but he's preaching and I'm long hair and hippie and everything. And, and uh, he's all coiffed and three-piece suit and coiffed hair and shine shoes and all this stuff. And and he was, he looked at me, you know, it was a church of n- normal people except me, you know, and, uh, and, or us. And he was trying to be funny. He said, yeah, I can remember when Ron Burrow, who was our pastor, who used to play in a group that toured with uh, um, Grateful Dead and all those, uh, huh? Alice Cooper and all these guys and the whole band got saved and and they said I remember Ron came in he had such long hair he looked like uh, an orangutan and I thought oh you jerk I thought he was making fun of me and so Donna who was my friend was sitting next to me she said Lord you got to do something he will never come back. He'll, he'll, we'll never get him through these doors again. And so he went around and he preached, and, and I'm just glaring at him. And he started calling people out. Well, I'd never seen that before, and started g- giving word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy. And he called these people out, and these two, and, they, and, they, and he laid hands on them, and they fell down. And I'm going, what is that? 
I, I mean, I never even, you know, I was never around church. I never even heard of this kind of thing. You know, I, 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 what? And, and then when he fell down, everybody's leaning, praying over him and stuff. And I go, this is ridiculous. <laughs> these guys are, these guys are crazy. And so everybody went on. He said, just lift their hands and praise God. And I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. Everything about it, I hated. But I couldn't deny feeling that divine presence. You understand? See, you can mock it. But when the divine is there, when, when the divine power of God is there, and so everybody, all praising God and lift their hands. And, and I, I looked around and went, Yeah, you know, I gave it well, uh, up to the waist, you know. I, 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 that way, if anybody saw me, I go. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I felt someone touch my hand. And I opened my eyes, and it's this three-piece suit guy. <laughs> and he goes, and, and when, I, when I lifted my hands, I was like this, and I said, God, if this is real, let me know it. If this is you, let me know it. Because when I got saved, I really felt it. But I, I, I couldn't go along with this other stuff. And so all of a sudden, I, I, you, know, he, I, you know, he grabs my hand and I go, and he goes, come here, son, I want to pray for you. And my two friends sitting there going, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I was a little drugging, drugged out in those days and there's no telling what I was going to do. And so he brings me up and they're going, Lord, you got to do something. And he goes, you were just talking to the Lord, weren't you? Now remember divine voice, divine leading. And he goes, you were just talking to the Lord, weren't you? And at first I went, how did he know that? And I go, well, maybe my lips were moving. (laughs) And he goes, you just said, Lord, if this is you, let me know. If this is you, if this is real, let me know. And the exact words that I just said. And I thought, wow. And he laid hands on me and, you know, the whole story, I fell under the power of God. I couldn't get up. But from that moment on, every day I pray, I say, God, make me sensitive to your voice. Because the Lord says that still small voice is for us today. And he will lead us and guide us and teach us and show us things to come. It's like when I'm walking and, and, and they said, would you pray for Charlie afterwards? And I said, yeah. And they walked by. I said, no, no, wait, bring, bring, bring him up in front. And then when I'm preaching, I said, she's going to be fine. See, the wisdom of God lives in you. The knowledge of God lives in you. Let me just, I got nine minutes. Can I take you a side note? This is why the Bible says we pray in the understanding and we pray in the spirit. That term praying in the spirit is a Hebrew word that means when you're praying in the spirit, you're aware of who you're standing before. You know, when you're praying in the spirit and you don't know what to pray about, and you go, you're, all of a sudden, you're, the Spirit of God in you is, is making intercession, and you're aware of who you are standing before, and you, my friend, are standing before Almighty God, and as the Lord sent Jesus, Jesus said, I will send you, and I will lead you, and I will guide you, And I will cause you to go into a world of darkness and I will speak to you. And when I speak to you, respond to that because I'm sending you. It may look like something that's covered in mud, but in reality, if I'm leading you, it is because I want you to redeem it out of the evil and bring it back into the light. There is, there is a word, I hesitate on how much, how deep to get sometimes, 
But there's a word in Hebrew that's talking about hearing this voice and being led by the voice of God. And it's a Hebrew word that's burr, B-I-R-U-R in English, burr. And it means to, it means to allow God to elevate your senses to a higher vision to a higher vision and you begin to see things is it okay to tell you this you begin to see things that at a lower vision lower level you don't see when bill Trujillo saw me sitting on the porch the world saw me as a drug addict but through that higher vision, Bill Trujillo saw me as a child of God. And God does exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think. Amen? When we were getting ready to go, when I was, this isn't a big thing, but when I was working on this and I was saying, Lord, help me to understand, help me to help people understand listen to that voice of god and we were writing that i was writing some things down and i was writing some things that happened in my life and all of a sudden the spirit of god spoke to me and said pray for owen's family you know owen was been my brother for 30 years and owen passed away went to be with the lord and here i am writing and i'm thinking about how to explain this to you. And all of a sudden, that still small voice says, pray for Owen's daughter. Now, I don't know if she's going through something, but I just stopped. And I began to pray for his daughter and son-in-law and their kids. That's that still small voice. They may not be something, you know, when we were getting ready to go to Israel this last time, and the, the people in the government of Israel said, is there something that we can do for you while you're over here? And I said, you know what? He said, you know, you can meet the president, you can meet the vice president, you can meet the uh, prime minister, the vice prime minister. And I said, yeah, that's all good. I'd like to do that. But you know, more than that, I, if you can pull something off, I'd like to meet Rabbi Lau. Rabbi Lau is probably the most important rabbi in the world right now. And Rabbi Lau doesn't meet with Christians. But, you know, we're supporters of Israel. And, and they said, really, you want to? I said, yeah. I said, I, I really want to meet with Rabbi Lau. So Rabbi Lau was going to give us 10 minutes. Two hours later, We're talking Torah, we're talking Bible. And he says, how do you know these things? I said, I, I study them. I study them. He goes, that's because of your Jewish roots. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, that's because Jesus was Jewish. And I said, yes, sir. And you know what? He called a friend of ours in the government that had been trying to unify Jews and Gentiles together Christians and he said it'll never work and after the meeting he called him and said I was wrong and he said this is something that God is doing that's that still small voice yeah you understand sometimes it's big sometimes sometimes it's world changing sometimes it's it's individual sometimes it's just for you and your destiny you know I can remember back in in uh Back in Flagstaff when I first got saved, you know, and I had a, you know, I didn't have the normal church, churchy background. And, and uh, you know, I was pretty rough around the edges, even rougher than I am now, you know. And, uh, and uh, I met this girl from one of our other churches and I thought, man, this is, and she was actually... Yeah, I thought, man, this would be, this would be a good person. And so I was going to date her and... Uh, uh, the parents and pastors all got involved and said, we don't want this guy dating our daughter. And so well, I remember coming to church and Pastor Ron saying to me, he said, no, you know what? Listen, this is not going to, I said, really? And then Tiz walked in the building for the first time. I went, you know, this won't, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All things work together for good. 
But you know, every one of you has that divine voice. Do you know that? Every one of you has that divine voice. Can I give you something? Anybody here, anybody here going to have a baby before long? Anybody pregnant? You know, the Bible says when you're getting ready to name your child, that divine inspiration comes to every parent. Because every time you call your child's name, you are prophesying that child destiny. Doesn't matter where they are. Doesn't matter, you know, doesn't matter, you know, they're, they're with God or away from God. Doesn't matter. Every time you say their name, you are, that's why you don't want to call your child stone or something like that. Or you want to call them something biblical because you are prophesying their name. Let me, let me close with this. The Bible says those who are faithful and little, God will cause you to be faithful in much. I really believe we're living in the times that we're going to see prophets and prophetesses. We're going to see word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And as you're walking through the world and that still small voice says, like he said to Bill Trujillo, go tell that person about the Lord. Or that still small voice says, you know what? Pick up that piece of trash. Doesn't need to be there. That may be something really small. But if you're faithful in doing that, if you're faithful in praying over your meal, you're bringing light. If you're faithful in you know, I can remember when I first got saved, and, and, and actually a rabbi brought this up. When I first got saved in Flagstaff, Arizona, there were the San Francisco peaks, the highest peaks uh, and around. And I climbed up there, and I climbed all up there. I was a brand new Christian. And when you get up to the top, there's a metal box up there, and there's a book in there that... Uh, that uh, you can write in. They got a pencil there and a, and a book you write in. And I wrote in there, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And standing on this mountain, I'm beginning to see how big my God is. When you stand on this mountain and look around you, be sure to give him all the praise and all the glory. And I'm thinking that's a little thing. That's a little thing. But wherever you go, Tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wherever you go, let that still small voice, something small and then bigger and then bigger because you are the light of the world. And the Lord says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And that's why I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, power and strength and might. But I'm sending you a helper. Another word for helper is the revealer of mysteries. When I, when I first got saved, we, we were in Arizona. We'd go, down to, we'd go down to Mexico all the time in these mission trips, and we'd take food and clothing, and we'd go down and preach and everything. You know all my friends thought? Larry's the smartest drug smuggler there is. It's a fact. That's it. He's pretending to be with this church group, going into Mexico, and then coming out. And so they'd come out. They'd come out and, and see me to get involved with this scam I'm pulling. And they'd end up coming to the altar and getting saved and getting born again. God will use you to change the world. Do you believe that? Whether you're young or old, male or female, big ways, little ways, God will use you because his divine presence lives in each and every one of us. Would you stand all over the building? The world has been shattered. And I love what the rabbi said. When the world looks like it couldn't get in any more chaos. And you know what? Poor Israel, all of them are going to have to pick all these up. If you would like, let me do this first. You may say, Pastor Larry, you don't know how much mud covers my life. I can guarantee you it couldn't have been much more than the mud that covered mine. 
I called home to my mom and, and said, Mom, guess what? She said, what? I said, I got saved. I got born again. She goes, you got what? I said, I got born again. My mom told Tiz not too long ago, a few years ago, I never thought I'd see Larry alive. He was a drug addict, heroin addict, violent. Police were looking for him. Drug dealers were looking for him. I figured he'd either overdose or get killed in a drug deal. But look at today. I'm not in heaven yet, but I'm doing okay. And together, we're making a difference. Amen? That's the destiny. And I, and I think God loves to use people like us. Because if God can use us, he can use anybody. Do you agree with that? That spirit of kingship and anointing and prophecy, the Holy Spirit is coming out of hiding. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You're here right now and you say, Pastor Larry, I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm just going to say this real quickly because I want to pray for everyone. If you're here right now and you think, you know what? My life has been covered in mud. The reason why you're here today is God has brought you to, so we could reach in together and reveal that light that has been in you since before you were born. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You're here right now and you say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want to give my life or rededicate my life to the Lord. Lift your hand up all over the building and hold it there. Just hold it there because God is going to reveal you out of darkness into the light. I see that hand. Keep it up the whole time. That hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. Lift it up real high. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, that bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Lift it up real high, real high. Anybody else? That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Give them a great big clap offering. Amen. Little did I know when Bill Trujillo, Bill Trujillo. And you know what? I don't think Bill died not long after that. And I don't know, you know, if he ever led anybody else to the Lord, but he led me to the Lord. And the work carries on. We're going to pray together. But as we do, how many of you here would say, Pastor Larry, can we come in agreement? Every day of my life, I pray, God, make me sensitive. Make me sensitive to your voice. Make me sensitive. And, and sometimes it's, it's little bitty things. But sometimes it ends up being big things. But God will lead you. Divine wisdom, divine presence, divine inspiration, divine anointing of God. How many would say, Pastor, let's come to agreement. I want to be more sensitive to the voice of God. Let's say this out loud together. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my savior now say this satan get out of my life get out of my mind get out of my spirit get out of my body get out of my home my family and my finances i declare in the name and by his blood every curse is reversed joy is mine peace is mine happiness is mine Wholeness is mine. It's all mine right now in Jesus' name. Now look at me. Lift your, open your eyes. Lift your hands towards me. Say this out loud. Father, I ask you, make me sensitive to your voice, your spirit, and your direction. Let me have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lead me. Guide me. Show me what to do, where to go, who to speak to. And I will be sure to give you all the praise 
and all the glory. Now, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray over everyone in this building and around the world. God, you would give us a sensitivity to your voice in these last days. Father, we know that you speak to us and we vow that we will listen. Let us be sensitive to that still, small voice. And Father, we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I I really don't feel like I did this message justice because it is so important. But can I tell you how good it makes me feel to know that Bill Trujillo, all those years ago, listened to the voice of God. Look beyond my mud. I can't tell you how good it makes me feel to look beyond the evil report that was on Charlie and look at her by inspiration of God and say, she's going to be all right. And say, let me lay hands on her. Let me, and, and you know, when we were there, I was just landing. I said, let me hold her. I just felt like God saying, wrap her in your faith. Wrap her in your faith. And to be able to do that and then hear the good reports. And I believe this is just the beginning of the time of signs and wonders and miracles, of prophetic word. John Metzler called me out, hair down to here, earrings, needle marks in my arm still. Still, I, I, I'd gotten saved, but I was a few weeks ago, but I was still smoking dope. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Didn't know anything how to live for God. No, nobody ever told me, right? And he laid hands on me and he said, you're going to preach the gospel around the world. I went, <laughs> seriously, you're going to go, you're going to preach the gospel around the world. Now think about, think about what I looked like on the outside. But thank God, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. And inside of you is the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prosperity. Inside of you are apostles and prophets and prophetesses and evangelists and teachers. Inside of you, because inside of you is the divine presence of Almighty God. And as my Father sent me, I send you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And I will confirm it with signs, wonders, and miracles. Watch the power of God function in your life. Bring back the light. And one more part of light, and the Messiah is going to come. I believe it's closer than we can imagine. Now go and be the light of the world. Amen.